Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy Green is holding on line one. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. In Canada, we have a prime minister who has declared that to expect Canadian values to be uh, adhered to and and to be expressly adhered to and to be asked Canadian values questions when you come into the country as either a landed immigrant or or a visitor, our prime minister has said that that is intolerable and that it's un-Canadian and it's inappropriate. Now, not everybody agrees with Prime Minister Trudeau, but certainly that's been his position, and it's been the position of some conservative leadership candidates to what Kelly Leach proposed, and it was Dr. Leach's proposal for the Canadian values. As you know, we've spoken to her on a number of occasions about this. Well, in Australia, that's the law. If you wish to become an Australian citizen, you're going to have to demonstrably prove that you understand and value and support Australian values. In Canada, we can't even define what our values are. That's the big argument. What's a Canadian value? Gee, golly, wow. Let's work on that. In Australia, it's, a, it's an expectation. It's the law if you want to become an Australian citizen. In Canada, we have, a, oh, by the way, our prime minister, you know the glowing report, the glowing eulogy he wrote for Fidel Castro was perhaps only superseded by his admiration for Chinese dictatorship, which he spoke of glowingly in 2013, before he became the Prime Minister of Canada. And to make it a a complete triangle here, we also have a Prime Minister who boasts to the New York Times that Canada is the first post-nation state. Not in Australia. Not in Australia. Now, our prime minister is demanding that we have a national carbon tax, and by next year it has to start, and it's $10 per ton. How do you measure, how do you weigh gas? Anyway, never mind. So, as of next year, it's going to be $10 per ton, and then he has this scale that's going to keep going up and up and up and up and up, but he hasn't hasn't conducted a... uh, Uh, a a national test to see what impact the national carbon tax would have on our economy. Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall told us that. 
because Mr. Trudeau doesn't need to do that kind of grunt work. He just knows it's going to be perfect. Australia, in 2014, got rid of its national carbon tax. I wonder why. Well, let's find out. Joining me is Brad Batten. Mr. Batten is an Australian member of the Victorian Legislative Assembly, and he's the shadow minister for the environment in uh, the state of Victoria. He was going to be on with Michelle Rempel, Calgary Conservative MP, who has been challenging the Liberals' plans, but uh, Ms. Rempel is on the plane, and she can't talk to us right now. Mr. Batten, thank you so much. You got up awfully early to talk to us. It's Monday morning, I think around 6 o'clock in Australia. Yeah, that's correct. Roy, good morning. It's uh, good to be on with speaking with you. Well, it's, it's great to talk to you. So why don't we start with the, let's start with the, um, with the issue of uh, the Australian values law. And if you're, a, if, you're a, if you're a newcomer to Australia and you want to become an Australian citizen, you have to wait four years. You have to demonstrably prove that you fit into Australian society. Please share with us what the rules are going to be or what they are already. Yeah, at the moment, the previous uh, system had it as two years, but we've expanded that out to four, our federal government um, with Malcolm Turnbull. And some of those changes is actually making sure you can complete a citizen's test. And when we talk about values, I, I heard you just say before, talking about the values over in Canada, our values are very important and our values are around family, uh, are around mateship. Um, we have a very strong volunteerism community over here as well. And these are the values that we want to be brought into Australia one of the biggest issues we have is around domestic violence. And domestic violence crosses many boundaries. And it's something that uh, I've, I've visited Canada, and I know it's a topic that is um, on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. What we're saying is when people are coming from various cultures, uh, different countries that have a, uh, a little lacklustre in the way they ap- approach domestic violence, particularly violence against women in the home, We say that's not acceptable here in Australia. So if you're going to live here, you've got to abide by our rules. You've got to abide by our laws. But we do say to you, never forget where you come from. We're a proud multicultural nation. Um, We love celebrating all different religions, all different cultures. But whilst you're living here, you've got to abide by our our laws. And that means inside your home as well as outside your home. And and do you have to uh, understand what Australian values are and be able to? Uh, I don't want to suggest it's a test, but you have to you have to ad- be willing to adhere to the Australian values as they're laid out by the government. Yeah, some of the questions in our test will actually be along the lines of um, talking about those values and making sure that you are willing to adhere to them. Um, whilst out and about. We do have a very strong reminder in, in a lot of our tests which talk about don't forget the, the values of your own home. Um, you make sure you live your own culture and pass that on to the next generations. But whilst you've decided to live in Australia, and, and we can never forget, and the same as, as in Canada when people want to live in Canada, it's, a, it's not a right that you can become an Australian citizen. It's a privilege. So if you want to take up that privilege, then you've got to understand that there's some obligations that go with that. And that means living by our values, ensuring the most important one at the moment we talk about is ensuring that domestic violence is something we want to reduce. And we've had a very big issue with that through our multicultural society. So we want to make sure that we stamp that out. And that's a value that's very important to us over here in Australia. Mr. Batten, isn't there also a requirement to prove that you're assimilating into Australian society? Yeah, there is a requirement that you're assimilating in and also part of it is a language test and the language test level will be changed, which actually makes it more difficult. Now, there's been some issues raised from within, uh, particularly our Indian community I was speaking to last week or so 
that we're talking about, the language requirements may be seen as too difficult. Um, that'll be something that they'll assess and judge as they go through. But we, what we're saying is if you have a family come over here and a lot of these uh, cultures where only the husband will go out and work and, and a wife and children stay at home, um, there's a requirement in this saying that, no, no, we require your children to go to school. It's not an option. That's actually a requirement. Your children have to go to school and start to work within that community. We're actually saying that you also have, if you have a wife at home or a partner at home, they shouldn't be just staying at home and continuously speaking their native t uh, um, language. They should be out and going into the community, whether that's in volunteering or paid work, to try and actually involve themselves in their local community. That's the kind of thing we're looking for for people who want to build a better Australia in the future. So if you want to become an Australian citizen, you have to adhere to these particular um, expectations by the government by the, and by the people of Australia. That's correct. And when you say it's by the government, it's actually more correct to say it is by the people of Australia. Oh. When you, you see, we've seen it in history, you go back to the 50s, we had the Russians moving over to Australia, and they all went to one community, particularly around South Melbourne and Paran. Uh, we had the Vietnamese community come in uh, a bit later on, and they came in particularly around Collingwood and then went down through Springvale. What we're saying, that's, that's fine, they go into, the, into little groups, but we actually want people who are moving over here to live by our values and our structure, and that means not all going into one area, not changing everything in that one area to the beliefs and the values they had back at home they've come here because they wanted to have a change in lifestyle people aren't moving to Australia because they want to stay in the countries they've come from they're getting away from something a lot of the time particularly refugee if you're coming over here as a refugee well then we're saying we actually offer you a an opportunity that you'll probably never get back in your home country then you're going to have to work within our community and within our society to make sure you can see the positive change as well has this been a controversial issue in Australia uh, it, it's always had some people, I suppose, that are, have um, challenged it, um, that will continue to challenge it. Um, there's a, a particular group out there who, um, and, and a lot in the, I suppose, in the law fraternity as well, who try and say that we're going too far with a lot of this. Uh, but there's also a very strong contingent at the moment within the community, and I'd say it's larger than uh, it's the silent majority it used to be, but that is actually now becoming the noisy majority of people who are saying, what we want is when people are coming here, they understand the way we live, uh, they understand, they don't have to understand every sport, but we want them to get more involved in those community, community side activities that we have. Uh, I think people are sick of it in Australia, of people coming into, into Australia and then talking about their values and laws from back at home. Uh, I know there's always been a concern raised around the Muslim community, um, but the, however, there's some that come over here and start talking about Sharia law what our community is saying. We don't really want Sharia law here in Australia at all. If you really want Sharia law, stay back where Sharia law is. But whilst you're here, you must work within our values. Mr. Batten, let me get you hold on, please, because I, I want to talk to you some more about, and about the, uh, the, the carbon tax that Australia did away with. And our Prime Minister thought it would be a great idea if he only showed up for one question period a week where he actually, or he only answered questions one day a week from members of parliament. I think he's already started that. Now, the liberals are backing off from their uh, revamping the business of parliament because they got hammered by all the opposition parties, but it's still going to be uh, a front-burner issue for Mr. Trudeau. We'll come back and we'll talk to Mr. Batten about uh, why the Australians got rid of their carbon tax and what would happen to an Australian prime minister if he or she said, I'm only going to answer questions one day a week. We'll come back. Intelligent Talk Radio. Intelligent Talk Radio. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. 
Prime Minister Trudeau's uh, carbon tax almost crashed and burned when he had the uh, first minister's meeting. Uh, Saskatchewan isn't playing ball, as you know. We've talked to Premier Wall on a number of occasions and spoke with the Saskatchewan Minister of the Environment yesterday. Saskatchewan not going along with the carbon tax. They'll go to court. Uh, Manitoba also not engaged with the carbon tax. It may come, but not at the moment. Almost lost British Columbia until they renegotiated with Premier Clark, and that would have been the end of it if uh, B.C. had not uh, come on board. Now, in Australia, they had a national carbon tax until 2014. Brad Batten is with me. He is uh, an Australian member of the Victorian Legislative Assembly, Shadow Minister for the Environment. Mr. Batten, in 2014, Australia did away with its national carbon tax. Why? Uh, we had a, uh, some reviews on that carbon tax. At the time, Tony Abbott was our leader federally um, and obviously won the election uh, on the axe to tax was his, uh, his slogan during that time. The carbon tax, when it was brought in, uh, and very similar to the position you're in now with um, Justin Trudeau, there was no case studies, there was no groundwork done, there was no understanding how it was going to affect business, how it was going to affect families, particularly with costs and increased electricity. And then the result of that was businesses started to um, get concerned about what was going to happen with their future and how much it was going to um, cost them in the long run. The centre-left parties or the left-wing parties were trying to sell it that the cost of this was just, an, you know, the big businesses were going to pay and the big businesses were going to have to um, work out ways to either save on carbon or pay out of their own pockets, a bit of a penalty for them. The reality was uh, all of us know big businesses pass on those costs and that goes down to family homes. So that was when we got involved more and more from the uh, the Liberal Party over here now, obviously people over there have to understand the Liberal Party over here is a centre-right party, not a centre-left. So we actually started to focus on how that was going to affect families um, and the actual costs on that. And there was a range in how much it was going to cost, but the implementation of it was going to cost about $150 per year to a family. That was going to increase, increase quite quickly. On the same model over there with the scaling of the carbon tax, that was going to increase quite quick, quickly to over $1,000 per family estimated. So 2014, the decision is made to scrap the carbon tax because it's harming Australian business, it's harming families, and it's also causing concern uh, among the business community. And you can't move forward in business if you have concerned business leaders who are going to have to invest. If they're not comfortable with what's going to happen with their investment, they won't invest. Yeah, instability. If you've got a, a government that's or policies out there that are creating instability, you will have less and less, obviously, investment throughout your state or country. Um, I'll focus on Victoria. And we had a lot of um, uh, investment in Victoria, particularly around aluminium smelters. Um, we obviously have coal. We still use coal power here in, in Victoria. One of our coal plants has closed recently, and that put a lot of concern back on families if you were putting carbon on those. The sad thing is uh, in Victoria, one of our state governments has gone on the line and they've put a $250 million tax on coal, uh, which has created the closure of one of our plants down here. And we're talking about baseload energy. And if, if you haven't got baseload energy, you've got uh, more instability. And so we've got manufacturers now saying, well, if you're not giving us any security around coal, if you're not giving us any security around the cost, then why would we want to invest in your state or country? That was all started from the carbon tax. It started a message out there that they wanted to increase tax on any carbon that was uh, output. And it was something that, as we said, we, we really focused on how that was going to affect the families and started to get the case studies done on that. We just spoke with um, the uh, representative of the, um, the Fraser Institute, a think tank in this country. And he pointed out that the four provinces that have carbon taxes 
have really not implemented them well. And what that's turned out to be is essentially just another tax on Canadians. Was the carbon tax ultimately just going to be another tax? Did it turn out to be just another tax or did it actually help the environment? No, it definitely did turn out to be another tax. And I think from uh, from memory, I'm going off memory here, but 2014, a report came out. Carbon uh, output actually increased in Australia during the time of the carbon tax. So to say that it was actually going to reduce carbon output was a, a, a bit of a lie uh, from the government at the time. They had that was their focus going forward. In Victoria alone, just the government themselves is one of the largest providers or largest outputters of carbon. Uh, in Victoria, they've made the changes themselves. They haven't got a carbon tax, but they've been putting pressure on, on companies for carbon to reduce it and again passing on those costs. At the same time, government itself has increased its carbon output, including the Department of Environment, has had a major increase in uh, carbon outputs. So if you can't lead... Uh, by example, on reducing carbon, and then I think you're in, in, a, in a real issue there. And the reality is, Roy, uh, private enterprise are some of the best in the world at putting in new ideas and new technologies, and they look at things to improve costs of running their business, and most modern technologies, like most modern cars, like most modern houses, all have a reduced carbon output. We should be putting it more pressure back onto the private enterprise to actually do it themselves. And most of them are already focusing on that because they have better outcomes, which is a better better on the bottom line for them. Yeah. What would happen to an Australian prime minister who said, I'm only going to take questions one day per week? Yeah, I, I noticed you saw my tweet, which is where this all started from. And uh, the reality is over here, a prime minister wouldn't last if they weren't going to go out and answer questions. When you have the privilege, and again, it is a privilege to lead uh, any country, if you have the privilege to be the Prime Minister, you deserve, the Victorians or the, the, the country you're leading deserves answers from you, basically, in my view, whenever they want it. And that means question time. So over here, if it happened where a Prime Minister did it, as a first point of call, I would find, you'd probably find the party would actually get rid of that leader straight away because the community wouldn't accept it. But effectively, you would be sacked from your position because it would be untenable uh, to say that you're happy to take the money, you're happy to do all the uh, exciting things in the background, but then not come out and answer for the actions that you're you're implementing on those people. And I think that's a disgrace if you're not going in and answering questions in question time. I agree. Mr. Batten, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time and getting up so early to talk to, talk to us. No worries. I'll look head off for my run now. I've got plenty of time before I start work. Thank you All very right. much. Watch out for those kangaroos. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> Dumb Canadian joke. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank There's you very uh, much. All the best to you. There's uh, Brad uh, Batten, Australian Member of Parliament. My number is 1-800-263-2428. 800-263-2428. That sound reasonable to you? Did that sound reasonable to you, what Australia is doing? It's not what Canada's doing. But is it what Canada should be doing? Yay or nay, 800-263-2428.